Thank you for joining the Capital Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is for you and that through these expressions of our community, you will find hope, healing, and belonging. To learn more, join us live every week online and visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at Thank you, Jay. So glad you made it here today. How many are excited to be in the house of the Lord? God is good. All right, turn to your neighbor and say, man, I'm so glad you made it. So glad you made it. All right, turn to your other neighbor and say, man, I'm, you're my second choice, but I'm happy you're, you made it as well. Happy. Uh, I want to thank Dr. Stan. How many of you were here last week? Many of you were here last week. Dr. Stan came and spoke for me. I want to thank him publicly. Uh, we're so blessed with the world-class teaching team and uh, gave him notice, uh, late notice. Uh, I came down with a stomach bug, and so he had like a day to prepare, which if you know anything about public communication, that is insane. And uh, I heard from many of you that uh, he just, he came, and uh, many of you were blessed by that. So I, I want to thank Dr. Stan uh, for preaching God's word yesterday. Uh, funny story, as a transition, we're going to be talking about, this is my last message uh, in this sermon series, which we've been in for the last several months. Uh, we've been talking about how to deal with your stuff. We've been kind of dealing with a lot of different things. So I, I feel like I'm going to close this out today uh, if you say a lot of amens. If not, we'll keep on going in this direction for the next five years. So you choose. You choose. No. Um, funny story, before I get into the message here today, a uh, couple months ago, my son Presley started baptizing all of his stuffed animals. So he's like, we call him Presley the Baptizer. So cute kid. He's like, the, he's a spiritual barometer of our home. Like he's, he's holy. Uh, the rest of us, we're working on trying to be holy. But he's baptizing all of his stuffed animals, you know, in the, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I baptize you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then my wife came up to her. I just love this story. This blessed my heart. It's going to totally bless you. She, uh, she asked um, Press, and I don't know all the details, but Press actually came up to her and said, Mom, I need you to baptize. I need, I need to baptize you every single day. And my wife asked, why? Well, he goes, because you're naughty. I just, I, you're right. The Lord has spoken <laughs> through the mouth of his prophet, Presley. And then my wife is obviously, because she's the best mother in the whole world. She was, you know, obviously insulted. So she, <laughs> she had to bring me in, right? The loop. And she, and she asked Presley, okay, what about, what about your father, right? Because he's really naughty. And, and he goes, well, no, um, he's already been baptized. He's good. There's your message for today. <laughs> Guys, I'm holy. No, it's, uh, I, love, I love my family, and uh, we're blessed to have 7,000 children. All right. All right, so how do we deal with our stuff? Give me about 25 minutes, and then we'll pray uh, for you, and then we'll release you. How do we deal with our stuff? Here's the thing. We all have neg negative scripts uh, from our past that shape who we are today. Everyone in this room, no one is not immune, right? 
I don't care if you've grown up in the church, you've been in the church for decades. We all have negative scripts from our past that shape and influence how we think about ourselves right now. So if you grew up on the farm, if you grew up in the city, if you grew up in the projects, if you're a Laker fan or not, if you went to church or not, if you had cats or dogs or whatever, you're a tea person, a coffee person, I'm trying to include everybody. Everyone in this room, don't get religious on me, has a negative script that is shaping how you think about yourself today. Why is that? Well, because we're storied people. We tell ourselves stories. How many of you like a good story? About eight of you. Oh my God. All right. We have aliens in the house today. We're storied people. So we tell ourselves stories and scripts. A lot of it is internalized. And it's important that we understand what those stories are. For example, some of you have experienced or suffered uh, rejection from an authority figure. And you, you then internalized a script, and largely it's unconscious to you or invisible to you, that you can never measure up. Some of you experienced profound shame as a result of defilement. Sin was done to you or something was said to you or sin was done in your presence and you were defiled and you live with this underlying sense that you're worthless. There's some people here today. How many of you believe in birth order? Birth order is a funny thing. If you're a middle child, we will pray for your soul today. <laughs> Just kidding. You're totally fine, sort of. Um, but when it comes to like many kids, right? Some of you maybe had older siblings and your parents favored them more than you. And it drove you into perfectionism or it drove you into um, pursuing approval. Or maybe some of you are living with this internalized script that you're not enough or this internalized script might be vague, but you just kind of live from a place of insecurity. Some of us, our parents were emotionally unavailable or authority figures, aunts, uncles, grandparents, or you're just your family unit. You're just emotionally unavailable. And right now you live with this script that you are unlovable. We all have negative scripts that shape who we are today. If you're a Cowboys fan, you just live in dread. You lose all the time and you rage, okay? <laughs> negative scripts. So here's the thing, please listen to me. You cannot move forward into the future if you're still in bondage to the past. Negative scripts, or we'll call, let's call them inferior voices, have the capacity to enslave us to the cycles of immaturity and sin. I've come to realize that many people have a, a marriage problem, not because of just the marriage and you have two completely different people, I'm becoming, I, I, I'm realizing now as a pastor, and I've been in the ministry for a long time, that the marriage and the problem in the marriage is that spouses are bringing their past into the marriage and they're projecting their internal script on their spouse. And so if we don't deal with negative scripts, we find ourselves bound to these cycles of immaturity and sin. And so we project our past because the past will always interfere, interfere into your present. We project it onto our spouses, our kids, our coworkers, other people, friends. We have no relationships because of the negative scripts that shape our mind. So half the battle when it comes to these negative scripts is learning to identify the stories that we have come to believe that stop spiritual growth and contradicts God's loving voice over you. Galatians 2.20, Paul says this, 
I am crucified with Christ. Guys, it's no longer I. I scared some of you when I, some of you are like, oh God. It's all right, it's good for you. Wake up. No. It is no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives within me. That's the script that should dominate our perspective. Should infuse our entire personality, every faculty that makes us who we are. However, what's tragic is that uh, we have become so entangled in these scripts that we begin to build our entire lives around them. We begin to build our lives around lies. Jesus said this, that if you build your house on the rock, who's the rock? Jesus. If you build your house on the rock, the rain's going to come, but you're going to remain sturdy. But if you build your house on the sand, I'm not going to get into exegetical specificities of the sand. I'm just going to bring us back out, give us a 10,000 foot level. I'll try to talk and generalize here. The sand is any alternative voice that contradicts the voice of Jesus. If you build your life on the sand, your house will come crumbling down. My story of scripts, when I was a young man, um, I began to internalize a script that something bad was going to happen to me. So I kind of lived under this, this vague sense of, of dread. As a young man, I don't know where it came from, uh, but I know that it was exasperated when I was 17 years old, uh, about ready to turn 18. It was a beautiful, beautiful um, uh, Monday, and uh, I, I was a sprinter. I do know this, but I was really fast. I was a great athlete, uh, sixth grade. I was the fastest kid in the city. I like to say that all the time, okay. Uh, but I, I just, my whole life, I, I ran track, I loved it. And uh, so this one particular day, it was Monday, it was hell day. So you, we just run intervals of 200 all the time, all the time. And so you just, you break your body down and that's how you just get faster. Uh, and I'm used to it. So I, I, I just, you know, Mondays you don't eat a whole lot. And uh, after school, you start, you start running for hours. I remember the first interval, uh, I couldn't make it halfway through. I knew there was something wrong, kind of felt sick, went to my coach, go, coach, I don't, I don't know what's wrong. He dismissed me, went home, went to my bedroom, fell asleep, woke up four hours later to a spinning room. I knew something was wrong. So my, my parents took me to the doctor. They did a series of, of blood tests and blood work. And about three or four days later, uh, my doctor came in. I remember the room. I remember the setting, this, all of it, the mood. And he goes, Chris, you are a type one diabetic. And I remember in that moment, that trauma set into motion this sense of fear that something bad will always happen to me. And it was a script that I, that I lived with. In, in, in a weird way, it was an upside down kind of narcissism because I didn't believe I was special in the sense that good things would happen to me. I felt like I was special in the fact, because I knew bad things happened to everybody, but I felt like I was special in the fact that really bad things would only happen to me. And I lived with this internal script until I was 18, 19 years old. I had an, an encounter with the love of God, which transformed my life and began to bring healing to the, the script that I was telling myself that I was forsaken, that I was alone, that I should be afraid, that God was not for me. God, in one moment at a camp, 
transform and rewrote an entire script that I was telling myself. You cannot tell me that God is not powerful. You cannot tell me that God is not present in our life. You cannot tell me that God does not love us with an everlasting love. God has not given us a spirit of fear, if you're anxious today, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Perfect love casts out all fear. Come on, somebody. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son for you. Love, 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 love transformed the script that I was telling myself. So how are scripts formed? How are they formed? From trauma. Trauma, right? Things that we experience in life. So we have negative scripts and then we have trauma. So the question that we have to answer or ask so we can answer is what is trauma? It's not just pain, trauma that is, that is a result of something said or done to us. It's a wound from your past that has never healed. Tyler Staten says this, trauma is a wordless story that forms the negative scripts based on experiences or words spoken or things that have happened to us that begins to shape who we are. But here's the good news today. Jesus makes it very clear as he talks about his, in a very self-referential way, about his public ministry, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And whom Jesus sets free is free. Can you have freedom over negative scripts rooted in trauma or things that have happened to you in the past? Yeah. Yeah, baby. Need to wake some of you up. Yeah. You can experience freedom in Christ from sin, from trauma, from negative scripts that define your mindset, your personality, and your biochemistry can experience freedom and deliverance by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, the thing is, and I've been talking about this for some time, I think some of us just expect, because we live with low expectations, we just expect that, yeah, Jesus sort of loves us on Sunday especially, but Monday through Saturday, we have to hobble through life with our addictions, with all these negative scripts and all these tragic stories that we tell ourselves, and we live from lies Monday through Saturday, and then we come back on Sunday, and we get our fix. We get a little Holy Ghost, and we get some fiery red-headed preacher, man. And we feel maybe a little bit better, right? Right? Okay? But then we go back into our, our work week, and we kind of live out these cycles of pain and immaturity and sin. You can be set free today. You can have victory over the lies, over the, the silly caricatures that the devil has planted in your mind, planted in your heart, planted in your body. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. I'm getting older. It's so funny. I'm, I'm just, I'm 46 years old and, and uh, it's so old. <laughs> 
we got, we got people talking. I don't know what you guys are saying. As I get older, it's funny. One of the, I, I'm just, one of the, the funnest things that I like to do is go to Target and buy white socks. When you're old, white socks are incredible. Come on, how many of you love gold toe white socks from Target? You slip them on. Oh my God, they're so soft. Oh my God, right? They're amazing. When you get older, you just, you like the, you like the little things, right? No? People are losing their minds. Did I do something? All right. But I, I don't even know why I, went, I got off on that. But let me just get back to I'm getting old. And what's funny is that a couple months ago, so uh, I saw my, my son Presley. He was on a table, and uh, he was, like, leaning back. And it, from my perspective, it looked like he was going to fall off the table. And so I was kind of back here, and my wife was, I mean, she was just doing so much in the kitchen. And so I kind of see it, and there was a chair, and I kind of hopped over it because I'm still an athlete, right? And I... I stepped over it and I stopped and and I stepped onto my right foot. I'm like, oh my God, this isn't going to go well, right? I'm not 19 years old. And I kind of hit a smooth surface and my wife saw it and, and she, she thought it was remarkable. I hit this smooth surface and I just, bam, hit the floor, right? Right on my shoulder. And I'm crying in agony. It was like, oh my God, I'm not 19. I'm 46 years old. Why did I just do that? Right? And all I get from my wife is laughter. And I'm looking, I'm like, babe, my shoulder actually really hurts. He's like, I've never seen you do that before. This is amazing, right? And thankfully, Presley was, was okay. But it, it was funny. I, I kind of just assumed I'm 19. Nothing's going to happen. I'm not old like you are. Not me, you know? And so I just, I didn't go to the doctor. I didn't ice it. I didn't do anything to take care of it. And then over a couple weeks, it started getting worse. Uh, in the night, it started to wake me up. Uh, I started feeling a lot of pain even during the day. Um, it was interfering in my, my, my ability to work, and it was just shooting pain everywhere. I got to the point where I couldn't even put a shirt on because my shoulder hurt so bad. And then I came to the conclusion, man, I, I need a doctor. <laughs> this trauma from the past is hurting so bad, it's interfering in my day-to-day work week. Here's the thing. A lot of people do the same thing with the trauma in their life. They try to deny it. They don't want to deal with it. They want to move on. They they don't want to go to the past because if you want to go to the past or if you want to, excuse me, if you want to go to the future, you got to go to the past. You got to deal with your stuff. And there's just a lot of people that don't want to deal with the trauma in their soul, which then forms negative scripts. And those negative scripts and the pain and the trauma from the past can become a chronic condition where you cannot even hear God speak to you because you are so living from a negative script that it shapes your understanding of who you are. And Jesus wants you to be free from that today. You are not worthless. I'm going to preach on you today. 
You, you're not unlovable, right? You're not, oh, some of you heard, well, you're not your father, and you've carried that shame in your body. Like, I'm never going to live up to my, to my dad, or I'm never going to measure up. Some of you walk around with chronic inadequacy. Some of you don't even know that there's generational trauma in your family, and the reason you're anxious right now and you can't get a hold of your mind is because your grandfather dealt with anxiety in his 30s and his 40s. You see, God wants to set you free from generational trauma. God wants to Set, set you free from cycles of immaturity rooted in negative scripts that shape who you are today. Amen. So our story in Mark chapter 5 is one of, of heartache. It's one of chronic sickness and profound trauma. So what does it all mean? As we read in Mark chapter 5. First we have the woman. We don't know her name, perhaps, is significant. She's probably persona non grata. She's unwelcome. She's an outsider because of the purity world of Jesus. She has a chronic bleeding condition. She is in poverty and pain uh, because she spent everything uh, at the doctors. She's living in a state of uncertainty. You got to feel the story with me. Feel the mood of Mark chapter 5. Right? She is sick, but she's not just sick. She's traumatized. She's She's ritually un excluded from the community for 12 years. She's socially ostracized. She is unclean, but because of her chronic bleeding condition, she renders everyone else that she comes in contact with unclean. So she virtually is living alone. She's forsaken. Right? Think about the negative script that she's telling herself. It's one of shame. It's one of, it's one of rejection. She has to go around and say that I'm unclean, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. Think about the shame. Think about the rejection. Think about the loneliness. But she hears a report about Jesus. I love this. And then she, gives, she goes off on this little quick self-talk. And she begins to tell herself that, man, if I could just touch the hem of Jesus, his garment, she would be made well. And she does it. And guess what? Jesus heals her. Don't you love the fact that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yeah. And if Jesus can heal a woman 2,000 years ago of a chronic bleeding condition, Jesus can heal you today. So she's healed. And here's the thing about this. She then comes up, and Jesus actually ironically asks his disciples, he turns around because they're in this throng of people, he turns around and he asks his disciples, who touched me? Obviously, and then he goes on to say that he perceived the power had gone out of him or flowed out of him. Then the woman comes up to Jesus in fear and trembling and tells him the whole truth. Everyone say the whole truth. The whole truth. And Jesus commends her for her faith. And then he says, because of your faith, shalom. He announces or bestows shalom over her. And then he says, go, you are now healed of your disease. What's remarkable, guys, about this story is that in the purity world of Jesus, unclean was more powerful than clean. So if you were unclean, you had more authority over clean people because your uncleanness was contagious and it clung to people. Clean people had to run away from unclean people. Jesus comes onto the scene. He's inaugurating the brand new kingdom of his father. He's bringing into fulfillment 613 laws, the Torah that we find, 
in his public ministry and he transforms the purity world of Jesus' day. In Jesus, it's now clean that is more powerful than unclean. It's in Jesus that righteousness and blessing is more contagious than uncleanness. Jesus takes on the uncleanness of this woman, absorbs it, transforms it, and then releases healing and blessing over her. So what does this mean for us today? Not only does, please hear me, not only as I close here, does Jesus miraculously heal the woman, he transforms her status. He heals her physically, which is obviously that's a remarkable miracle. Yeah. But he also, by healing her physically, understand the logic here, he deals with her emotional trauma, woundedness, shame, and all of the negative scripts associated with the chronic bleeding condition. You see, I say this all the time, but God just doesn't just want to save souls. He wants to save holes. W-H-O-L-E, right? The whole of your person, your entire personality, all of your faculties from your soul, your mind, your will, your longings, your desire, your spirituality, all that which makes you, you, God wants wholeness over all of it. And just think about this. Many of the people that Jesus healed would have been banned. I just want you to think about this really quick. Would have been banned because of the demands of the purity world. They would have been banned from the worshiping community. They would have been considered less than full members of God's people. In fact, in some Jewish circles, someone who was maimed could not be a full member of the community or someone who was blind or someone who was lame or someone who was deaf or someone who had a a disability or someone who had a physical deformity. Think about all the people then, with that in mind, all the people that Jesus healed. He healed blind people. He healed deaf people. He healed lepers, a crippled woman. And then you have this woman with the issue of blood. She would have been ritually excluded, socially ostracized. All the people that Jesus healed didn't just experience a physical healing. They also, because of their physical healing, were included. Are are you with me? Are included and welcomed. And they belong to God's reconstituted family. So what Jesus is saying is, "You're you're healed, you're healed, you're healed, you're healed, you're healed, you're healed. And you're also healed of your shame and your trauma and your negative scripts and all these secondary issues. I'm going to heal you of your sickness. I'm going to forgive you of your sin. And then I'm going to heal all the stinking trauma. And I'm going to make you whole again. So in effect, please hear me, the healing of this woman is not just a physical healing. It's a radical Welcome that Jesus is saying to the woman, hey, you belong. You're in. Sorry for shouting. You're not on the outside. You're healed in your inner world. Forget the shame. 
Well, Chris, how do we know that? Well, because before even Jesus announces that she is completely healed of, of her disease, what does he say? Shalom. Shalom is not just a very specific thing that addresses your soul. In fact, Jesus, when he healed this woman, bestowed the gift of wholeness on her, and he transformed her shame into shalom. So shalom is not just simply Jesus blessing her with this subjective sense of peace. Rather, what Jesus is doing is he's making every aspect of her life whole again. He is healing every script. He's transforming everything negative that was shaping her self-identity. And Jesus wants to do the same thing in us today. You don't have to live from that negative script. Some of you, you perform, you perform and you're perfectionist and you're exhausted today. Some of you, you feel like every single day you have to put yourself on the line or people will not accept you. It's a negative script. Many of you live from these scripts of anxiety or despair or dread or rejection or shame. Again, we have thousands of them that we could even name today. Jesus can heal them. Jesus can make all things new. So here's the thing, really quick. My question is not if you have been wounded. My question here today is how? My question is not, okay, if you've been wounded, no. It's how have you been wounded today? You see, we live in a, we, we talk about this often, and I, because I'm just, I'm part theologian, I gotta make sure this is clear. We live in a sin-soaked cosmos. The cosmos, as we know, is shot through with sin. Can I get any amen to that? Sin, again, let me clarify. Sin is not just something wrong that you do. It's not just, oh, I'm a kleptomaniac, and I like to steal candy from the candy store, right? Those are bad things. Can I get any amen to that? Sin is way more than that. It's a, it's a complex ecosystem of beliefs and longings that are rooted in alienation from God. In other words, sin is alienation and ignorance of God's presence in your life, okay? That is the world that we live in. And if that's the world that we live in, guess what? This world is one big traumatized state of affairs, it's world history is one big trauma event. So the question is not if you've been wounded or broken or hurt or you, if you have negative scripts or not. The question is, what are your wounds? My second question is, do you want to be free from those? Do you want to be free from the shame and the rejection and the pain? Here's the thing, as, as I close here, I, I felt strongly this morning as I spoke at first service, and I feel it just as strong right now. I think there's a demand on the church, our church and the church around the world, there's a demand by the Holy Spirit that we open our lives up to God's healing power because the world needs more wounded healers.
you see what I'm talking about? Like, I'm not talking about Christian navel-gazing and we got to just be really introspective. We've got to deal with all our inner daddy issues or whatever, however you want to talk about that. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about, guys, you need healing from those scripts because your spouse needs healing and your kids need some healing and your coworkers need some healing and God wants to take your healing and he wants to take your wounds and he wants to transform them because get this, guys, your wounds and your brokenness, if they're not transformed, they'll be transferred. And there are many Christians in the world, they're sick in their mind. They're healthy and they come to church, but because they're living from a negative script, they're projecting their woundedness and their hurts onto everyone around them. And Jesus wants to bring healing to you. He wants to bring healing to your mind and your soul. And he wants to bring healing to your family. And he wants to transform the generational trauma and all the patterns. And he wants to set you free from the cycles of despair and pain and all the things that turn you upside down. So you can be a healer that God works through to bring healing to those who are broken. I think the Holy Spirit is demanding that we open up our hearts. We can no longer, please hear me as I close, we can no longer not open our hearts to the healing work of the Holy Spirit. We can't deny. We can't try to forget about the past. The past will always interfere. interfere. Like my shoulder, you got to get it fixed. You got to go to a doctor, right? We need Jesus. We need healing. We need his life and his power. I want the worship team to come up as I close. So how do we, how do, we do this? How do we experience God's healing? Well, number one, it's just really simple. We've got to learn to tell the truth. The woman came up to Jesus with fear and trembling, and she told Jesus the whole truth. Not just the truth that she touched him, but I think she told her entire story. This, this, this happened 12 years ago, and then eight years ago, the doctor did this, and then three years ago, and she just kind of went through her story it's, it's when we identified the negative scripts in our life that we experience freedom. Neuroscience tells us, guys, when you confess something or you name something, that's where freedom exists. Freedom is inherent with naming a negative script. God has designed your body in such a way that when we confess our sins to God and we confess our sins to one another, there is freedom that is released in your life. We've been saying this for several months now. Bad things grow in the dark. You don't deal with the negative scripts. They'll become larger and larger, 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 bigger, 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 right? And some of you, the reason why you, you, you think, uh, I'll say this, your God is way too small. God in your imagination is not big enough to handle your, your stuff. And the reason why is because you have not dealt with the negative scripts. And the negative scripts, because they haven't been dealt with, have grown into this monstrous thing that now shapes your mind. But the good news is, once you confess, once you open yourself up to the Holy Spirit, once you begin to name and tell the truth about those negative scripts, their power and authority over you is broken. And Jesus releases his life into you. And you might start out with some fear and trembling, and you might still be kind of hobbling through life, but the power of God will so fill you up 
in your mind and in your body that over time, you'll, yeah, 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 you'll start just like this hobbling, but then you'll get to the point where you start walking. Then, hey, one day, you just, you get a stride in your step. I don't know why I'm doing this, but I, I want to wake you up, right? Then you start feeling more power and more grace because you're not living from your past and your past is not hijacking your present. Then you start running. Come on. And then you experience the power and the life of King Jesus. Man, this is what I want for you. God's not called us to hobble through life. He's called us. He says very clearly, if you wait upon the Lord, you shall renew your strength. You shall mount up like wings of eagles. You shall run and not grow weary. Walk and not faint. Come on, somebody. How many of you want to walk and not faint? How many of you want to run and not grow weary? Number two, she heard the reports of, of Jesus. That's it. She didn't have a PhD, a New Testament phenomenology. Some of you are like, what is that? I don't know. I made it up. <laughs> My God, she did. She just heard a report. A report of Jesus. And then she decided, okay, I'm, I'm going to touch the hem of his garment. See, the way, the way that negative scripts lose their power over us is by re replacing them with God's word. You got to replace the negative scripts with God's script. This is why I'm an advocate of daily rhythms and practices that are rooted and centered around God's word. Guys, there is no way that I could defeat anxiety in my life if I'm not in the morning and in the afternoon and at night declaring God's word over me. Here's the thing. I've realized, hey, reading God's word is not therapy. And I'm not against therapy. Therapy is good. But reading God's word, it's conversion. We don't need more therapy. We need conversion. We need to think new thoughts. And the way we think new thoughts is through the power of God's word. God's word is alive. It's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts between the soul and the spirit and the joint and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Isaiah said, your word does not return void, but it accomplishes what it is sent to do. God's word has creative power inherent within it. You got to replace the old scripts with God's script. And finally, we got to believe. John's gospel uses the word believe a hundred times, which suggests that every single day we have to fight the good fight of faith. That believing is not just a one-time event, a one-off event, but it's something that you have to do every single day. You have to believe on Sunday and you have to believe on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. What does that mean? Believe means we believe that God can do all things. We believe that God is a God of love. We believe that his word is the last word over us. We believe that God has a future for us. We believe in his promises. We believe we've not been forsaken. We believe that the past 
doesn't have to shape who we are today, but who we are in Christ and through his word and through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can be who God has called us to be. Let me end with this. When God pours out his spirit, which we've been seeing in our church and around the city and around the nation, but when God pours out his spirit, guess what happens? People who have been living in dead faith. What's dead faith? Low expectations. We manage our expectations. God's good in the abstract, but we don't really believe that God will do anything in our personal life. That's dead faith. When God pours out his spirit, God takes us from dead faith and dead orthodoxy and abstract thinking, and he moves us into a new realm and a new reality of believing that God actually is present. I know I'm being dramatic here, but I just want to say, guys, Jesus bodily came back from the dead. Someone has asked, once asked me, how do you deal with anxiety? Jesus came back from the dead. When you get the word of God, sorry for screaming, but I was really excited about that. But when you get the word of God in your heart and you begin to believe what God says, that's when you begin to experience the healing in your life. So what is faith? Faith is a sign that the Holy Spirit is being poured out. When people start to believe again, when they start to believe for their marriages, when they start to believe for their church, when they start to believe for their world and their neighbors and their cities, they start to believe that God is good, that is when things begin to change because that is not a work that we can do on our own. It is the result of the Holy Spirit at work in us. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Can you bow your heads, close your eyes. Father, I thank you for your grace. Thank you for your healing. We thank you for changing these negative scripts, transforming them and releasing life over your sons and daughters. Lord, our desire is not to live from our past. We want to live from our identity in Christ. And Father, I thank you for doing a new thing in Capital Church. I thank you for healing. I thank you for the transforming work of Jesus. As your eyes are closed, the Holy Spirit, I've told you this before, but the Holy Spirit in 2022 gave me an impression that 2023, this year, would be a year of healing. Bodies are going to be healed. We've already seen it. But not just bodies, but minds, souls, hearts. The inner world of God's people, I really felt clearly, God was going to heal because the time is now that God is asking the church to come up, to open themselves up to his healing work so we can be healers in this world that is broken and fractured and wounded and anxious and overwhelmed. So we just receive right now the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. As your eyes are closed, you would say, Chris, I have, I have a negative script that I've identified. And I want healing from that. I want to tell the truth. I want to believe 
that God is going to do a healing work this year. I don't want to hobble through life. I want to live from who I am in Christ. If that's you, could you just raise your hand right now? Anyone like that? Okay, many of you. Okay, if you raise your hand, can you just stand? Go ahead and stand for me. So I pray for you. Okay. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I think we just, we have just two minutes. I don't want to hurry through this, but we can make this pretty quick. If you're standing, I just want you to come forward and I'm going to pray for you. Just come forward. Thank you for being bold. Just come forward. We're going to pray for you. We're drawing the line in the sand, church. Amen. This is a new season for Capital. This is a new season for you. This is a new season for your family. New season for your kids. New season, new season, new season. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. If I could have some of our leaders come forward, intercessors. Can we squeeze everybody up in the front here? Thank you. I promise we won't be long. Thank you, Father. God, you're doing a new thing in Jesus' name. Okay, if you're up in the front, some of you are still coming to the front, you can kind of squeeze in. Take your hands, put on your heart, I'm going to pray over you. Father, I thank you that as a pastor of this incredible church, I know I have no authority. The authority is in Jesus. But I thank you. This is a holy moment. And I sense this. There are some things, guys, you've been struggling with for a long time. I don't know what it is. I feel it strongly right now. Some of you have been in the, this fight, this struggle with your past, and you've not been able to break the bondage in your life. I, I just see it right now. Chains on you are being broken. The Holy Spirit is setting you free in this moment. Oh, we thank you now for the healing work of Jesus. We thank you for the healing of trauma. We thank you for the rescripting of our stories. We thank you for replacing false images, images built and structured around lies. Thank you for replacing them with your love and renewed and fresh portraits of King Jesus. I thank you that we are loved. I thank you that we're no longer rejected. Some of you have been carrying around shame. I feel this. You've done something in the past or something's been done to you in the past and you've walked around with shame and it's hijacked your mind. It's hard to function. I see you a few days out of your week and it's really hard to function. You just give so much emotional energy to that and just live under this cloud of shame. I thank you today that you are set free by the power of Jesus. That if we confess, we confess, we come to you, Jesus, and we give it all to you. You are faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So I just thank you right now, right now, right now, right now, right now. Keep your eyes closed. The Holy Spirit's already moving. You've taken the step of faith. You don't need a magic prayer. We just right now say yes to your work, Jesus.
We thank you that Jesus right now is setting us free. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. I thank you that as we're identifying some of these scripts, they're coming to the surface right now. We thank you for your healing work in the mighty name of Jesus. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Perfect love casts out all fear. Those who are anxious and been dealing with a dread script, I thank you for your freedom over them today. Those who have struggled with this insatiable need for approval and they feel like they can never get it and it's exhausting, I pray that you would set them free and heal them by the love of Jesus. Those who feel unlovable today, I pray that you would, right now, tell them how much you love them. Do a brand new work in them. In the mighty name of Jesus. This is a holy moment. Thank you. If you're up front, I just take 30 seconds. Don't look around. Keep your eyes closed. And I just want you to thank Jesus right now for his work. Just say, Jesus, I invite you. Do your work. Do the work of healing. Thank you, Father. God's healing hearts, broken hearts. Some of you have a broken heart and you've been living from a broken heart. I see the Holy Spirit healing your heart. Thank you, Father. Jesus, it's a deep work that you're doing in our lives. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to give towards this ministry, learn more about our church and events, or are in need of prayer, please visit capitalchurch.co.